We pray that as you listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, what an awesome testimony. And um, I just want to say thank you again for having my wife and I come and be a part. And it's a, it's a delight to be here. Uh, Pastor Philip, thank you again for inviting us. And I love you. and I love your family. And I know that God has a plan for our lives. God has a plan for our lives. And when we don't understand how things are happening and why, but we do know this, God is still on the throne and God has a plan. God has a plan. I want to thank you also. I know I maybe mentioned this last night, but praying for my family because I lost my parents in December, uh, the day after or day before Christmas, uh, my dad passed away. And then at my dad's funeral, my mother passed away at the funeral. And uh, so she went to be with Jesus as she was greeting people right there in the church, in the chair. People were coming. She was greeting them. And then she just went to be with Jesus in the chair. And I thought, you know, what a way to go. What a way to go. So she wasn't very long without my dad. <laughs> uh, they, they went together. And I can tell you this. Someday soon, we will see them again. We will be together again. But the first person we're going to want to take, take the first look at is Jesus, the one who died for us. And I want to thank you again for your prayers. And I give God the glory for this testimony. And you know what? We haven't seen anything yet. There's more to come. Amen? Amen. I want to share with you today about the blessing of God's divine order. And I really believe this is something important, at least for my life. And I want to just share with you out of Matthew chapter 6. So if you have a Bible, please turn there. Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to read the most familiar verse probably to many of us. And that is this. How many know it by memory? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Does it say second, third, fourth, or fifth? The answer is no. It says, seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God. How many would say that speaks of order? How many would say that means number one? Not number 17, but number one. And I find that in my own life that when I put God out of order, when, in other words, when I don't put him in his proper place in my life, that I pay the price for that. That doesn't mean I might not be saved. It doesn't mean I don't go to church. It doesn't mean a whole lot of things. But it does mean this. Sometimes we have a tendency to get out of line. We used to get out of line when we were kids. And my dad would put us back in line, and he did it right quick. He did it right quick. And I can tell you that I might not have liked it when he put me back in line, and I would grumble in the car. I don't know if you ever got put back in line when your dad was driving the car or not. How many remember your dad's driving a car and you're in the back seat and all of a sudden that arm would go back like that? 
And, I, and, and, and he'd try to put me in line. I'd kind of go over like this. That was the worst thing you could do because that just meant when you got home, he's going to get you like this. How many know it's a whole different thing? Friends, we need to be put back in line. How many think the church sometimes gets out of line? It gets out of order, and we've got to see it put back in order the way God intended. And if we get back into God's divine order, I think we'll see the blessings coming through. I really believe that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness. God is a God of order. You know, even in nature, Jesus said it this way. He said, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. There is an order to things, and God's word has a particular order. We cannot change the order of God's word. And I want to talk to you today about that. You know, I, I went to a vending machine. I like vending machines. I love watching the money go through. I like pushing a button. I like watching the stuff come out. Isn't that a great experience? Oh, I just love vending machines. Well, I went to a, a Coke machine. I saw the pretty lights, and it was all lit up. And you, you put your money in, and then they got this little message that comes across the, the screen, and it says, out of order. Don't you just hate that? Out of order. What are you talking about, out of order? I put my money in. I put my money in. I pushed the button, and what did I get? Nothing. You know, sometimes churches are like that. You go to the church. The lights are on. Everything's flashing, looking real good. You put your money in the offering. And you don't get nothing out of it. You know why some people go to church and don't get anything out of it? Because the church is out of order. It's because it's out of line. It's because things are not in their proper place. But I have found that when the church does it God's way and we put things in proper order, I have found that the power of God can come down and change people's lives from the inside out. What's wrong with the church? Can we not see the word of God has an order to it? The Bible says, let everything be done decently and in order. God said, my ways are not your ways, neither are your thoughts my thoughts. But if we'll get into the heartbeat of God, into the word of God, I believe the blessing will come down such as we cannot contain he'll open the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing and we'll be able to leave and say god has been so good to us i want to say that the order of god is vital in my own life i think things are out of order sometimes how many know when your body is out of order everything else is affected you ever get your hips out of line you ever gone to the chiropractor how many ever gone to the chiropractor don't you just love those guys i hate those guys I love them, and I hate them. You know what? I really like it. The first time I ever went to a chiropractor, I'll never forget it. He laid me in that, in that, in, on that table thing. He said, now, Jerry, he was a Christian chiropractor. That was another good thing. He was my brother's brother-in-law. That was another good thing, maybe. Anyway, so he laid me in that table, and he took my head in his hands. And I never, I never had it happen before, so I was relaxed. He was going, all right. How many of you ever had this happen? You doing this? Yeah, you doing this? And all of a sudden, I'm like, man, I like this. Then wham, he snapped my neck. And I'm like, whoa, Jesus, help me. And you know what? He said, you're going to hurt for a couple of days, but after a while, it'll feel better. How many know it feels better after a couple of days? You see, getting put back in line isn't necessarily a pleasant experience. But when the end result is there, you're so glad you went to the chiropractor. You're so glad that you walked in the door. You're so glad you even put your money on the table. You're so glad that you paid the price because you walked out in line and all of a sudden your hips are in, your back is in, your neck is in line, and you go home saying, thank you, Jesus, and I was willing to pay 45 bucks to have it done. You see, friends, getting in line is not a bad thing. 
And some of us are out of line in our spiritual lives. And we wonder why the blessing doesn't come like we think it should. And maybe it's because there's something inside that's not in its proper place. You know, it's very important that we see that. You know, you can take a look at families that are out of line, churches that are out of line. You know, when families are out of God's divine order, true happiness sometimes leaves that marriage. Joy goes out the window. Do you realize that the church then does not become a priority and it's easy to miss church when things are out of line? All of a sudden we go to church and we get convicted and we don't like that, so we find somewhere else to go where it's not so convicting. That's because something's not in line. You know, boundaries are put there for a reason. You know, order is there for a reason. I'll never forget playing sports. How many know sports has rules? But if there are no rules in football or soccer, if there's no rules in basketball, the meaning of the game is lost. There's no purpose to it. If you can just do whatever you want. But when there are rules and boundaries and order, it brings meaning to the game. And that's what we want in our Christian lives, meaning and purpose to the game. That's what I see is missing in so many places. How many remember Peter and, or excuse me, James and John, when Jesus found them, they were on the seashore or mending their nets. That word mending is the same thing as put back in order. It means that they had holes in the net and they were mending them. They were putting them back in order so that the fish would not escape the net. How many would say there are fish that are escaping the nets in a lot of churches because they haven't been put in proper order? And if we'll get the nets mended, I think we'll see more fish stay in the net. I really believe that with all my heart. Now, if you think about this, The Bible tells us it in another way. It says, and he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. How many see that? Let's say it again. And he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists. Notice the order. He gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Look at this. For the perfecting of the saints. How many see that word perfecting? That word perfecting is the same word as mending. You see, when James and John were mending their their nets, they were perfecting their nets. That means they were putting them in order. The word perfecting means this. It means to fit out and out. It's the same word we have when we say outfitter. How many know what an outfitter is? Bass Pro Shop is what? An outfitter. Well, why do we call Bass Pro Shop an outfitter? Because when you walk in the door, they are going to see to it that everything is in order for you so that when you go in the wilderness, you come back all in one piece. They want to make sure you have everything you need so that you don't die out there. And guess what the pastor's supposed to do? He's supposed to put things in order from the Word of God into our lives so that when we walk out that door, we will survive to make it to the next day because His Word is like food for us. It will support us. It will sustain us. It will keep us. And it will bring us in line. And that's what His Word does. So that's why we need to have this. That's why this is so vital. We need to remember that we need to be in order. Individuals are out of order. Churches are out of order. Families are out of order. Husbands are out of order. Wives can get out of order too. Did you know that? Oh, friends, our mouth can get out of order. I'm amazed at what comes out of Christians' mouths. I thought we didn't used to say those words, but now those words seem to be commonplace. Now it's okay to say certain things that we would never say 20 years ago. I'm here to tell you, friends, we got to get back in line with the Word of God and let God's Word take our mouth and put a lock on it sometimes so that we can be what He wants us to be and that we as husbands can start loving our wives as Christ loved the church and that wives will respect 
their husbands and that we could be the kind of people that God called us to be as we get into order from God's holy book. You believe that? I believe it. God got after the children of Israel. In the book of Haggai, how many remember the book of Haggai when the children of Israel came back from captivity? And the Bible says that God was after them through the prophet Haggai. And he said this, you need to consider your ways because you haven't put things in their proper order. You want to know why your life isn't what it ought to be? You can blame everybody you want. You can blame this church. You can blame that church. You can blame people all over the place. But the problem really is where? In here. It's right in here. I just want to tell you, it's not worth it going out and blaming every cotton-picking person you can find. Let's just get right down to it, friends. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It is my heart, it is my life that must be put back in line. And listen to what God says. He says this to the people of Israel. He, He makes it very, 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 very vivid to them. He says, consider your ways. He said this, you have built your own houses. You have sown much and brought in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You earn wages and you put it into a bag with holes. Why? He says, because my house that lies waste. He says, and you don't take care of my priority, but you run every man to his own house. And that's what's wrong in the church world today. That's what's wrong in Christianity. We are putting other things in front of God. We're putting other things in front of God's ways. We must get back in order. I know this is not one of them hip, hip, hooray deals. But you know what? Sometimes that's what I'm called to do. That's what a chiropractor does. Like I said, it don't feel good. But I will tell you this. It's worth the whole thing. It's worth the whole thing. If we could just say, Lord Jesus, is there anything in my life that's really not in line? You want to know why you're just ill at ease all the time? Check your heart. Check your heart. I I want to quote you something that one guy said. He said this. He said, it is not the business of the church to adapt Christ to men. But it is the business of the church to adapt men to Christ. I want to say that again. He says, it is not the business of the church to adapt Christ to men, but to adapt men to Christ. How many would agree that that's a true statement? It's time for us to not adapt Christ to us, but to adapt ourselves to him. In other words, get in order in God's order. Divine order is the method by which God works. I think we need to stop trying to change that order, and we must not ask him to accommodate himself to us. You see, the promises of God are not for God, or not for us to give to God, but they're for God to give to us. We want to give God. We want to tell God what to do. And God says, I'm the Lord and you're the servant. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. I think sin, pride, I think jealousy, even ignorance can put us out of divine order. But if we'll fall into God's order, that means we're going to have to get into the book. You know why some people don't read this? You want to know why? Because they might find out what it says. You want to know why some people don't go to an altar of prayer? Because God might speak to them. You want to know why people don't ask God for things? You know why? Because he might give it to them. I will hear it here to say to you today, God's blessing will follow if we get back into God's divine order. I really believe that. I want to give you a couple of examples. I won't give you many. I know time is short. But I want to just give you a couple of examples of God's divine order in the book. 
and you will see the blessing of divine order. When you see the order of God and the blessing that comes as a result of it, I hope it gives us a little bit of incentive to want to do it even more, to ask God what it is that you would have me to do. Number one, let me give you this example. First Chronicles chapter 13. Now, now uh, David is going to bring the Ark of the Covenant back from the Philistines or back where it was into Jerusalem. How many think that's a good idea? Remember the Ark of the Covenant? How many remember the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant was a symbol of the glory of God. When it was taken in 1 Samuel, when it was taken by the Philistines, Eli, the priest, his daughter-in-law, had a baby, and she named him Ichabod. How many remember that? Meaning the glory has what? Departed. It's left. The glory is gone. So David now, many, many years later, becomes king, and he wants to bring the Ark back. That's a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. How many That's a great thing. So here's what he does. He does not consult God. He does not consult the word. He probably thinks to himself, I got this one. I'm the king. I'm the pastor. I'm the man in charge. I got this one. And he consults the people. You know what's wrong in the church today? We're consulting people. We're actually acting like game show hosts. Some churches are just like game shows. Survey says. Isn't that right? 24 people were, uh, you know, surveyed, and the, the top five answers are on the board. <laughs> Some of them are the wheel of fortune. Spin that wheel. What do you got? Huh? Hey, hey uh, give me a hey, hey, hey. No whammies, no whammies. Woohoo! Oh, yeah, come on, baby. Wow! Woo! Give it to me, honey. That's the way some churches are like. Some churches are like the price is right. If you got the right kind of money, you can do whatever you want. If the price is right, we'll give you this message. If you give this much money, we'll give you a personal prophecy. If you'll do this, then we just might treat you a little bit different. Truth of the matter is, friends, that's a church that's out of order. That's a church that's out of line. That's a pastor that's out of line. David doesn't consult God's word. He consults the people and the leaders. And you know what they say? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So rah, rah, shish, boom, ba. Let's go for it. Bring it back. Hallelujah. V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. That's the freshman battle cry. Uh-huh. And that's what they do. And they bring that ark back. And so the Bible says they put it on a new cart. How many remember that? Put it on a new cart. Oh, David, he's, they strike up the band. Strike up the old worship team. Wow, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And they're going. And so, so here's David in front of me. He's having a great time, you know, praising God, having a good time. And all of a sudden, the oxen stumble. And the Bible says Uzzah reached out his hand to steady it. And bam, God smote him dead. Hey, what are you doing? How many know that's bad? Ain't no good. He can't do that. But Uzzah's dead. But I thought they were doing the right thing. They were. But they were doing it in the wrong way. Did you know you can do the right thing in the wrong way? And you can forfeit the blessing of God in your life because you did the right thing in the wrong way. Oh, come on. Oh, yeah, I want to come on? Talk to Uzzah if you could. So what does David do? He stops dancing. He stops singing. He stops worshiping. Stops the band. What would you stop the band for? I thought this was the right thing. Well, who's just dead? Oh, I see. You didn't do it God's way. You didn't go by God's divine order, and the favor of God left you, and Uzzah's family is weeping because you didn't consult the word of God. I call on the church today. I call on every pastor today. Get back to the word of God. Get back to the order of God and watch.
watch his favor fall on us and watch the God of the universe open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. I believe that if we would do it, he would do it. I really do. So what happens? Well, David finally goes to the book. You can read about that later. He goes to the book and the Bible says it's supposed to be carried on the shoulders of the Levites. That's God's order. How many know the favor of God came back? They brought the ark in. Now David's dancing. Bible says he was dancing naked, I think, but, but that's a little bit different naked back then than it is now. Did you know that? Basically, he was dancing in his underwear. So when people dance, if they want to do it the way David did, well, anyway, let's keep going. Anyway, so David, we're going downhill fast. It goes downhill from here. I just want to tell you that. So here's David. He's out there having a great time dancing before the Lord. And the ark's come back, and it was a great thing. And the power of God came. The blessing of God came. And so David finally did it, did it the right way. David finally did the right thing, and he did it in the right way. And how many know that if you do do something the right way, and it's the right thing in the right way, somebody ain't going to like it anyway? How many know you can do the right thing in the right way, and somebody's going to find fault with you? Well, who found fault with him? Wouldn't you know it was a family member? It's his wife. What was her name? Michael, Michelle, I can never, I, I don't even, I can't pronounce her name. Call her Mike for short. How's that? She's up in the window watching David dancing, man, having a great time, you know, doing the old thing, you know, and having a great time. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that she didn't like what she saw. And the Bible says she despised him in her heart, and God struck her barren. Friends, I want to tell every church today, every pastor, every Christian today, you do things, you do God's right thing in God's right way, and don't worry about what anybody says, what anybody thinks, even if it's a family member. Always know this, that God is the one that you are supposed to please. I'd rather have the smile of God's approval and the frowns of men than to have the smile of men's approval. And the frowns of God. I have strived in my ministry to do the right thing in the right way. I can't say I always have, Pastor, but I've tried to do the right thing in the right way. And I have found that when I stay in my lane, God ministers blessing. I'll never forget the time I had gotten involved in something. It wasn't a bad thing. It was a good thing. I was trying to help somebody out. wanted me to be on his board. So I said, yes, I'll do it. I shouldn't have done it. And as soon as I did it, I knew I did it, but I shouldn't have done it. How many know when, you, when you're a minister of the gospel or, you're, or God's got you doing one thing, you've got to stick with what God's doing? You can't split your affections is what I'm saying. Now, some people can do that, and that's okay. But for me, I, I, I should, it, was, it was a Christian thing. It was a great thing. It was the right thing, but it really wasn't the right thing for me. And so as soon as I knew, I, as soon as I did, I knew I did I should have done it. So guess what I did? I canceled it. Boy, I feel good. How many know when you do the right thing in the right way, you feel good? I was like, oh, man, how many know that burden just goes? Your burden could lift too, sir, if you do the right thing in the right way. You, you, You could walk out of here a whole lot better than when you came in. If you just say, Lord, I give it to you. Forgive me for being stupid. Have the guts to do it. So I had a little camper, I had a little pop up camper. I got rid of that now, but I had one. I had it sitting in my driveway. I had it set up. So I went into the camper. Boy, I was crying out to God. Because, you know, when you're, when, you're not, when you're not doing your right thing, you know, you're, you're just all messed up. So I'd already taken care of the issue, but I was in my camper. And all of a sudden, I get a phone call. I'm in, I'm in Bowling Green, Ohio. I get a phone call from a friend of mine in, in that camper. Karen was gone. And I had the phone in my camper. And, and the, the phone rang. I answered. It was a friend of mine in Florida. 
Florida, buddy of mine, preacher. He said, Jerry, he said, I called you up. He said, I just want to see how you're doing. He said, God laid you on my heart today. I wanted to call you up and relay a little story to you. I said, yes, sir. He says, you know, I just watching the Olympics. This is when the Olympics were on, the summer Olympics. He says, I was watching the Olympics. He says, and they tell us when they're running in them lanes, he says, when you run in that lane, he said, if your foot touches that white line, you're disqualified. He said, and I just want to tell you something. God spoke to me to let you know, stay in your lane and don't touch the white line or you'll be disqualified. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I said, whoa, how many know I was happy? Because I'd already made the decision. See, I get a little wound up up here. Is that okay? I know your pastor is very meek and mild. I realize that. No emotion. Him and I are a lot alike. We're both, we're both good looking. It is. We both have good looking wives. We got great families. Good looking, good looking kids. Right? We're, we're a lot of similarities. I have gray hair. He doesn't. That's the only difference. So I get a little wound up up here, but I will tell you this. When I heard that man tell me that, and then he hung up the phone, he had no clue what I had just been going through. He had no idea, but he was saying this, Jerry, stay in God's divine order and don't get out of line because if you do, he said you're going to forfeit the favor of God. Oh, I didn't say you won't be saved. I'm just saying that we want God's favor. We want God's blessing. We want God's power, but nobody wants to stay in line anymore. Nobody wants to go it God's way. We want to do it our way. And God says, we can't do that here. So all of a sudden, we see David doing the right thing in the right way, and the glory of God comes back to Jerusalem. Where's the blessing? The glory returned. Glory. Can I give you another example? Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. You know this well. I won't labor on it. But notice what it says. If my people, how many know this one? If my people who are called by my name, Look at the order. Number one, what is it? Humble themselves. How many see that's the number one thing? How many see that that's really what the church needs to do? How many see that that's what the church refuses to do is humble itself? We want to act like we're the Holy Ghost. We want to say we are rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. But Jesus says you don't know your true condition. You are out of order. You are out of line. You've got to repent. You've got to come back to God. You've got to say, Lord, I want to do it your way. The right thing. The right way. God is a God of method. And I find out that humbling myself is the number one thing I need to do. How many know we can humble ourselves? What's humbling yourself? It's coming down low before God. It's recognizing that you're nothing. And he's everything. Remember Isaiah, when the Bible says this, it says, when King, when, when, when King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was high lifted up his train for the temple, and the angels cried, holy, holy, holy. You guys remember that? What's the first thing that came out of Isaiah's mouth after he saw that vision of God? After he saw, what's the first thing that came out of his mouth? Hey, God, how you doing? High five, big daddy. How's it going? No. He said, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. How many know that humbling ourselves before God is spiritual bankruptcy? I have nothing in me. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. And when we finally humble ourselves and get things in divine order, then revival, I believe, will come to the church. The truth of the matter is the leadership are not humbled. They're lifting themselves up. 
they're lifting up man and pulling down Jesus. Oh, they would never say we're pulling down Jesus. You know, you don't have to do that. You don't have to say, I'm going to pull down Jesus today. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is lift up man, and Jesus has automatically come down. And when the church lifts up man, they're out of order. And people are going to put their money in the church. They're going to give in the offering, and they're not going to get nothing out of that place because it's out of order. It's out of order. It's out of order. I like to watch cooking shows. I don't cook. I just watch the cooking shows. And you know, if you watch a cooking show enough, you think you did it. Huh? Isn't that true? Hey, I'm good, man. Never picked up a pickle in my life, but I can tell you this. I'm good, man. I watch cooking shows. It's just like prayer. You talk so much about prayer, you think you did it. People talk so much about being in order, they think they are. That's one thing. We are a family of order. That's what we are. Bless God. We're a, we're a family of divine order. When the truth is, church is a matter of convenience for them, not a matter of survival. I have found out that church must not be a matter of convenience, but a matter of survival. And when church is a matter of convenience, well, you know, if it's, if it's convenient for me to go, I'll go. And after all, we're, a, we're, we're men and women of God here. Really? You talk so much about something you think you did it. You know what being humble is? It's humbling ourselves and also allowing God to humble us and bring us to a place where we know we are nothing. And without Jesus, we're not going anywhere. It's called reducing. It's called reducing us to spiritual bankruptcy. How many know that we need to be reduced sometimes to that spiritual bankruptcy? Blessed are the poor in spirit. I remember that. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the what? Someone help me. The kingdom of heaven. You see? You want the kingdom of heaven? You want revival? Where's the humbling? Where's the reduction? Where's the reduction? Where's the reduction? Where's the reducing to the place of nothingness? And God is everything. So I watch those cooking shows, and I, and I like that Julia Childs lady. She, how many know who I'm talking about? She kind of talks like this. And she'll say, now we got to reduce to make a great sauce. And what you do is you add a cup of water, and then you turn on the heat, and then you reduce it and let it simmer for a half hour, and you'll come with this creamy mushroom sauce after it has been reduced. Do you know she's right? I have never done it. I just talk about it. The truth of the matter is, when you reduce that to a nice creamy sauce, you can ladle it over that salmon, and you can have yourself a nice dinner. It's called reduction. How many know in order to reduce something, you have to turn up the heat? In order to reduce something, you have to turn up the heat. And when you turn up the heat, guess what? All the junk burns out. That air, that, 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 that water, rather, just evaporates and goes up into the air. And that sauce becomes creamy and smooth. You ever had buckwheat pancakes? You ever had pancakes, period? Nobody eats pancakes in this place. All right, it must be from the south. Anyway, I love maple syrup. How many know a pancake isn't much of a pancake without real maple syrup on it? Huh? Can I get a witness in the house? I love pure maple syrup. I don't like that Aunt Jemima stuff. No offense to Aunt Jemima. It's just that that stringy stuff just doesn't do it for me. You know, it's like 10 cents a gallon. You know what I'm talking about? But pure maple syrup is about 45 bucks a gallon. You want to know why? It's because it has to be reduced. It takes 40 gallons of sap to make one gallon of pure maple syrup. 
And what they do is they put, I've watched it done, they put the sap into these tanks, and it just goes from one level to the next, to the next, to the next, and it takes so long to do it, they turn up the heat, and it evaporates, and it goes down, 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 till it turns out of the spigot, a nice, pure, ooh, nice maple syrup. Mm, boy, when you put that on a pancake, it's just the greatest thing in the whole world. Can you tell I'm a little bit excited about it? <laughs> That's why it costs so much. That's why it's so valuable. That's why it's so expensive. Because it had to be reduced. And what God wants to do with the church is to reduce it so that it can be valuable. So that it can be something that is put over this world. Like Brother Arnold was saying, so that the world can taste and see that the Lord is good. And what it takes to get into divine order is to humble ourselves before God and let him reduce us. Friend, he's trying to reduce somebody. He's trying to reduce you. And the things you're going through, God is using to reduce you, to bring you down so that he can lift you up. It's to bring you down so he can lift you up. What are you waiting so long for? Why don't you let him have his way? Why don't you let him turn up the heat? Because God knows what he's doing in your life. And he's trying to get you back on track. He's trying to get you realigned, readjusted, so that you you can be of some use in this world. Mm. I feel so good. I think if you all left right now, I'd finish. You all right? I'll give you one more and then I'll shut up. Psalm 27. Psalm 27, verse 1. I love this. It says this. The Lord is my light. And my what? Salvation. What's, what's the blessing here? Whom shall I fear? You see that? You know, some people are living in fear today. Christians are living in fear. You know why they're living in fear? Because they're not in order. Their lives are not in order. Whom shall I fear? Now look at the next one. The Lord is the what? Strength of my life. Look at the next line. It's the same blessing. Of whom? Shall I be afraid? How many are glad that when God is your light and God is your salvation and God is the strength of your life that you don't have to fear anything? You don't have to fear the government. You don't have to fear the economy. You don't have to fear the headlines in the news. You don't have to fear what you don't have. You don't have to fear what you do have. You don't have to fear what other men say about you. You don't have to fear what your family members say about you because God is your light. God is your salvation. And God is the strength of your life. And you don't have to be afraid of nothing. Do you see the order? See the order? We can't change the Bible. Let's stop trying to change the order of things. Well, I think I'll put this over here and this over here. Oh, that fits my theology. Oh, right. And now you just screwed it all up, didn't you? Oh, yeah, but you got more money in the offering. Oh, yeah, you change your old Bible around, you'll get more from some people because you're telling them what they want to hear rather than putting them in order with God's word. But look at the order. Here's the order. The Lord is my light, number one. The Lord is my salvation, number two. The Lord is the strength of my life. Number three, is this simple stuff or what? The Lord is my light. Do you know the Bible says God is light? And in him is no darkness at all. God's first approach to man is light. Light. You know what light does? It exposes your sin. It exposes darkness. It exposes the pests and the ants and the roaches in your life. How many know light does that? My wife and I lived in Baton Rouge for a couple years, and we had big cockroaches. You know what I'm talking about? Of course you do. You live here. <laughs> I mean, we, we had, they were so big, we invited them to dinner in our house. Hey, what's your name? Cocky Locky. Hey, have a seat. Hey, oh. 
have some soup. Don't mind if I do. How many straws do you want? 16. Oh, great. Yeah. Big suckers. I mean, them babies, I don't know if they fly or what, but they sure look like it. They, 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 they drive cars. You know, they watch television. They've, they've got remote controls. I mean, you walk in after a Sunday night, and there's potato chip bags empty all over the house. I'm like, what's going on? The cockroaches have been here again. My shoes are all messed up. I mean, my Lord, they're trying to put my shoes on. I'm like, what are you doing to me? But we lived in Minneapolis, Minnesota, before we lived in Baton Rouge, many, many years ago, and Karen and I first got married. And they had cockroaches up there, too. Only they were the real little ones. We rented an apartment, and it came free with cockroaches. You didn't have to pay extra for them. They were just part of the deal. You signed a lease, and it said free cockroaches. We said, we're in. <laughs> How many do we get? Well, about $25 million a week. Oh, great. Hey. <laughs> Funny thing about it is we'd come, come on. They're real light little things. Man, they're little, tiny little things. Not like down here. Here they drive. Up there, they don't do that. Down up, up, up in Minneapolis, they're real tiny little things. And you know what? We come home, and I turn on that light. And when I turned that light on, you know what I found out? There they were. I'm like, draw. And they ran for the hills. Right underneath the little floorboards. You know what I did? I took duct tape, gray duct tape. I went all, it fixes everything. I went all around that apartment with that gray duct tape. You walked in, you thought we had a new paint job on the floor. Putting all that gray duct tape. I was, how you like our new, how you like our new paint job, huh? huh? New decor. It's called early duct tape. That's what it's called. I tried to get rid of them cockroaches, but I found out one thing. I knew the cockroaches were there when I turned on the light. And God is light. And his first approach to you is going to be light. And the light of the gospel is shining in your heart right now, telling you that your life is out of order. And if your life can get put back in order, you can experience the joy of the Lord that you used to know a long time ago. You used to know what it was like to serve him. You used to know what it was like to have the joy of God. You used to know what it was like to have the favor of God. You used to know what it was like to have the blessing of God. But you have forfeited because your life has been out of whack. It's been out of order. Your hips are out of joint. And now you're walking crooked. And if you come to the chiropractor Jesus, he can put you back in line. And that's what I thank God for Pastor Philip for and any other pastor that preaches the word of God. Because that's exactly what they are, spiritual chiropractors in the army of God. The Lord is my light. But it doesn't say he's just my light. Notice it says that the Lord is my what? Salvation. The Lord is my light. God shows me my darkness. But he doesn't leave me there. He's my salvation. How many are thankful that the Lord is your light first? It has to be first. You can't put anything before light. It has to be first. He has to show you your sin. Jesus came to the woman at the well. What did he say to her? He said, go call your husband. What did she say? I have no husband. He says, you got that right. In fact, he says, you have had five husbands. Can you imagine that woman's eyes? Well. He says, you've had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. What does he do? He confronts her with her sin. Because he hates her. No, because he loves her. You see, God knows you're out of whack, man. He knows you're out of order, and he's going to confront you this morning in this sermon, in this church, with the light of the gospel, and he wants you to know it's time to come home. It's time to come back. It's time to admit that you're a sinner and you need a savior. It's time to admit you're a backslider and you got to come back to God. It's time to admit that you've walked off the path and you can get back on by coming to Jesus. It's time. But the Lord is my salvation. He doesn't leave me in the muck and the mire. He is my salvation. Um, how many are glad that he doesn't just leave you? He, he's, he's, your, he's your light. Yes, yes. But he's your salvation. Oh, I'm thankful for the blood, aren't you? 
the blood that gives me strength from day to day. And you could never, never, ever, ever make it in this life or any other life and the next following without the blood of Jesus. But he's not only my Savior. The Lord is the strength of my life. How many see something here? God is light. Jesus is salvation. And the Holy Spirit is your strength. You see the Trinity involved in order. It's an order that you can't change. And we must stop trying to change the order and accommodate God to us. We must accommodate ourselves to him. And the order is light. The order is salvation. The order is then he will be the strength of your life. What does that mean? The comforter, comfortis, comforter, comfortis means with strength. That means he comes alongside to strengthen you. He's more than a shoulder to cry on. He is someone who walks beside you and strengthens you all the way along the road of life. You need not just be saved. You need to have the strength of the Holy Spirit to help you through day by day. I can't even walk without him holding my hand. Friends, I'm glad he's I'm glad he's light. I'm glad he saved me. But I want you to know I can't even walk. I can't even walk without him holding my hand. How many need the Holy Ghost right beside you? Friends, how many know he is beside you? Parakletos means alongside of. He is the divine alongsider in your life. I learned this when I was in high school. I learned that God is the strength of my life. I didn't learn it in high school. I learned it after high school. But I was sitting in my office one day, and I was looking about God strengthening us and how, as Christians, we need it. I was in my office one day, and this this phrase came so clear to me. And then I remembered an episode that happened to me when I was in high school, and I jumped straight out of my chair in the office. I couldn't believe it. I hope nobody was looking, but I jumped straight up. I started shouting hallelujah. And here's what the Lord showed me. When I was in high school, I love politics. I'm not so much into it now, but I liked it then. And my family being born and raised, I was Christian. And, you know, Christians are supposedly, you know, a conservative group. And all I knew is that my parents were, quote, conservative. So I, in high school, went to my government class. My favorite class was government class. Oh, I love that class. Politics, people voting. And so I came into school one day in the class, and the teacher says, all right, we're going to have a debate. It was voting season. It was the liberal against the conservative. And he said, all right, how many in the classroom are for the liberal candidate? Raise your hand. People raise their hand. There's about 25, 30 students in the class. They all raise their hand. I'm not looking. I was conservative, but I didn't know why. I was conservative, but I couldn't defend myself. How many know you know what you believe, but you don't know why you believe it? How many know you believe certain things, but if anybody held a gun to you, you probably couldn't defend yourself? (laughs) If they start asking you all kinds of questions, you'd probably be going, uh, 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 well, my mom. When I was in high school, you'd say, hey, Hunt, you dance? Uh, 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 I've never danced in my life. I really haven't. I've never danced in my life. I don't even know what dance. I, I couldn't dance if you made me. I don't know. I, I wanted to. Do you dance? I didn't know what to say. All I could say was, it's against my religion. <laughs> That's all I could say. <laughs> I didn't have an answer. I don't, I don't want to say my mother said I couldn't. I mean, that's not cool. But being against my religion, I said, I, I could probably say that and get away with it. They were like, huh, boy, hunting, he's weird. It's, everything's against his religion. It's against his religion. It's, is that against your religion too, Hunt? Mm-hmm, I'm afraid so. <laughs> so I couldn't defend myself. I couldn't tell you why I believe what I believe. You know, there are Christians like that. They can't tell you why they believe what they believe. All they know is what their mother said. 
You cannot get to heaven on your mother's coattails and your mother's beliefs. You got to know what you believe yourself. You got to know this, but also know this. If you are a Christian and you do know Jesus as your Savior, you do have the truth of the gospel. You do have an encounter with God. You do know that you're saved. You do know that He lives on the inside of you. Guess what? You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be able to explain everything from Genesis to Revelation and then again backwards. But you need to have him with you. You know, the Bible says when you need to know what to say, the Holy Ghost will help you. And how many know he'll give you the words to say? Has it ever happened to you? And then all of a sudden you gave an answer and you're like, man, where'd that come from? And God says, who do you think did that? And you say, you, God. And God says, that's right, so give me the glory. So I was in that classroom. He said, all liberals, all but for liberal, can raise your hand. They all raise their hand. He said, okay, everybody for the conservative candidate, raise your hand. So I put my hand up. And then I looked around. Oh, there was nobody's hand up but mine. You jerk. What's the matter with you, Jerry? You stupid. I kept my hand up like a nut. Like a nut. But how many know I wanted to put it down? I kind of wanted to go, uh, hi, hi, hi. Nice day, huh? I love debates. (laughs) No, I kept it up. He said, all right, everybody for the liberal candidate, take your desk and slide to this side of the room. I said, no. All for the conservative candidate, hunt. Take your chair and slide to that. So I did. I slid slid my chair all the way to that side of the room. It seemed like it was a mile distance between the two, you know? And all the 25, 26, whatever students were over there, and here's me sitting over there cowering in the corner like a complete idiot going, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, help me. Not on the outside. On the the outside, I look pretty good. On the inside, I'm scared to death. Talk about fear. I thought they're going to have me for lunch. But then something cool happened. He said, all right, we're going to start the debate. And I'm just shaking in my boots. When all of a sudden the teacher comes out from behind his desk, takes another one of the students' desks, slides it over beside mine, sits down beside me and says, it's going to be you against me and Hunt. I said, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. There is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven. There is a God. Oh, how many know my attitude changed? How many can tell my attitude changed? You think my attitude changed? All of a sudden I went from this. Hey, man. Hey, baby. We're going to take names in this place. We're going to come down here, and we're going we're gonna to wipe up the floor with you people. We're going to tell you how to cow ate the cabbage, and we're going to tell it straight, right straight to you. And guess what? We're going to win this thing. How many know I didn't have the answers, but somebody came beside me. I said, somebody came beside me. Do you hear what I'm saying? I said, somebody came beside me, and he had the answer. He had the answer. Oh, friend, you don't need to know the answer. You got the answer living in you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, I was a changed man. I wasn't any smarter, and neither are you. You ain't no smarter. See, I almost fell. (laughs) You ain't no smarter, but you got the one sat beside you. And he said, Jer, I'll be there for you. And I'm like, that's a good thing to know. So guess what? The debate began. And they would say things like this. Hey, da-da-da-da, whatever they said. I don't know what they said. I didn't care. All I said was this. I I got boo. And I'd say, that is not true. And he's going to tell you why right there. Tell him why. And he'd tell him, well, that ain't true because of that's so, that's so, that's so, that's so. I said, that's right. Listen to him, man, because he's got the answer. And furthermore, we ain't listening to none of your junk anymore. Tell him why. And he'd tell him why. I said, that's right. And when the debate was over, we won. 
Friend, you will always win when Jesus is living in your heart. When you've got divine order, when you're in the divine order, the Holy Ghost will come beside you and he'll give you all the answers you need to know. Ooh, hallelujah. You okay? You're probably thinking it's you that's not okay. But I'll tell you something. I learned something that day. The Lord is my light. He is my salvation, but he is also strength. Notice the order. Why don't we just try to get things in order? Stop asking why that blessing isn't coming and get in order with God. Friends, stop going to the pop machine, seeing all the lights, putting your money in. Stop going to a church that doesn't give you anything back. Go to a church that tells you the truth. It might step on your toes, it might sting your nose, but it's telling you what you need to hear. And that's what you want. I go to the doctor. When you go to the doctor, what do you want me to tell you? The truth. If you got six months to live, what do you want me to say? Oh, hey. Don't worry about it. I don't know. But 15 years, they have a great day. Really? Oh, yeah. That's not what you want. Because in six months, you'd be dead. and You wouldn't be able to come back at him. But what if, what if he told you the truth that you had six months to live? You say this. You say, oh, thanks, man. Thanks for being honest with me, being up front. Tell, don't, don't spare me any detail. Tell me everything. Isn't that right? And then what do you do? You shake his hand. You thank him for it. And then you write him a check. Isn't that, isn't that the dumbest thing? No, it's not dumb. You write him a check because he told you the truth about the situation. Yet when we go to church and a preacher tells us the truth about our situation, we don't like it. We don't give no more. The truth of the matter is, if we were any kind of a person at all, we would thank God for the truth that's being preached from this pulpit that stings our nose and bites our toes. That this man preaches and you would be thankful for it. And not only that, you would give God his rightful place in order. Let me just say, are you out of order? Out of sorts? Out of kilter? Is your hip out of joint? I tell you what, when your hip's out of joint, it'll affect your neck. And when your back's out of whack, it'll affect these fingers. But believe me, I've had it. But when you get put back in place, and sometimes it takes three or four times to go to the chiropractor before you get it back in place. I mean, it goes back in place, but how many wants to go out? Doesn't want to go out again? He says, oh, you got to come back in a week, get that baby so it stays in, stays in, stays in. That's why you need to keep coming. You need to keep coming because you got to stay in, stay in, stay in, stay in, stay in. It's going to hurt, it's going to hurt, it's going to hurt. Yes, yes, yes. But after a while, it's going to feel good. And you're going to say, man, I'm so glad I came back because his word put me in my proper place. There was a battleship going through the water in the dead of night. Another battleship he saw coming straight at him. And they were getting closer and closer to one another. And the captain of that battleship said, signal to that ship and tell him to change his course 10 degrees north. So he did. He signaled to the ship. The ship signaled back and said, change your course 10 degrees south. Captain got mad. Didn't like it. Who does he think he is? So he said, signal back and say, change your course 10 degrees north. I am the captain. So he did. Reply came back, change your course 10 degrees south. I am third class Seaman Jones. In other words, a nobody. Boy, the captain got mad at that. Doesn't he know who I am? I'm a district superintendent. I'm the lead pastor. I'm the senior man. So he says, message a guy back and tell him to change his course 10 degrees north. I am a battleship. So he did. 
The reply came back as a change your course 10 degrees south. I am a lighthouse. What are you saying? Guess what, honey? Jesus ain't changing for nobody. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We do not have him accommodate to us. We do not have him adjust to us. How many know the lighthouse is firm? The truth is sure, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will not change, so it's we who must adjust to him, not him adjust to us. No matter what your name is, no matter what, if you're the captain, no matter if you're the big mama, the big papa, it don't make any difference who you are. It doesn't matter if you're the president. It doesn't matter if you're the district superintendent, friends. Jesus is the one in charge. And we must adjust ourselves to him. Amen? Amen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. It's been a sheer delight to be with you. And I want to say, don't wait. You'll never find joy and happiness out there in that world. It's got nothing to offer you. When I was a kid, I thought if I only had a skateboard, I'd be happy. So I got the skateboard. I thought if I only had a bike, I'd be happy. So I got the bike. Then I thought if I only had a car, I'd be happy. So I got the car. Then I thought what I really need is a girl to put in the car. And I'd be happy. How many know that don't work? Yeah, it don't work. Then we think to ourselves, if we could just get married, we'd be happy. So we get married. Then we see what we really need is a couple of kids. Then we'd be happy. And you get the kids. And then you say, what we need is our own house. And you get the house. And then what you say is, we need another house to get away from the first house. And then we'd be happy. And on and on it goes. And where it stops, nobody knows. You know why? Because Jesus said, a man's life consisted not in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Your only joy and happiness is when you get back on your knees and get back in divine order. And that is this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Get back in order and we'll see the blessing of God come falling down. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Come on, would you stand to your feet in the house today? All over this place, let's stand to our feet right now. What an incredible message. What an incredible challenge to each one of our lives, the order that needs to be present in our lives. God first, everything else after. I said God first, then everything else follows. God first. Come on, is my microphone on? I said God first, and then everything else after. But you know the problem is we can shout amen for God first, but then we don't put him first. We don't live like he's first. We go out and We're the first. We make the decisions. We make the choices for our life. God wants to be first in our lives. I wonder today how many of you would lift up your hand and say, Pastor Philip, he he was preaching at me today. Come on, is there anyone? Put your hand up. He was preaching right to me today. You know what we want to do just for a few moments? Here's what we're going to do as we close this service out. I want those of you that lifted up your hands and you said, you know what? He was preaching to me. My, my life's just kind of out of whack. I, I, I need to come to the spiritual chiropractor. You know what you have to do to go to the chiropractor? You have to go. You can't just book an appointment and feel better. You've got to go. You can't just go to the waiting room and say, well, I went to the office. Come on, you've got to be, what, in his hands for him to be able to do that. 
Come on, if your hand was up and you say, God, I want to put you first and I don't want it just to be words. I don't want it just to be a lip service, but I want it to be so real in my life. Come on, would you just begin to make your way to this front right now? Come on, step out for wherever you're at. And just begin to make your way down to the front. And when you come, just begin to surrender your life. Come on, would you just begin to say right now, Jesus, I want you the first in my life. Come, God, I want to make you the all in all of my life right now. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.